going to talk about everything Trump, impeachment, Russia, Comey, Brennan, Mueller, testifying, Flynn, indictments, pleading the fifth and more. Ian Milheiser, who I adore, a senior fellow at the Center for American Progress, editor of Think Progress Justice, author of Injustices, the Supreme Court's History of Comforting the Comfortable and Afflicting the Afflicted, is our guest. Um, You've got to follow him on Twitter as well, folks. I'll tell you all that stuff later because he just has some great things, including an article he wrote well, that made me, made me saddy and didn't make me tingle. <laughs> but, but Ian, uh, good afternoon and welcome. Thank you for joining us. It's good to be here. Thanks so much. Okay. There, there's just so much going on, okay? Yeah, um, no, I'm kind of scared of 6 p.m. today. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm scared of 6 p.m. every day now. Is it fair to say that based on everything coming out that the Democrats' chance, uh, chance and I mean C-H-A-N-T-S, of Trump-Russia, whether it involves Trump or just those in his campaign and people around him, is not a grasp. Right. I, I mean, there, there's no question here that there is some very shady involvement um, that involves the Russian government and the Russian government wanting to elect Donald Trump. I mean, we, we've, we've known that for a long time. I mean, we've known for a long time that they hacked um, the DNC for that purpose. The intelligence community said that. We've known for a long time um, that they hacked John Podesta's emails for that purpose. Um, we know, I mean, because Trump said it on national TV, that he actively encouraged the Russians um, to, engage, um, to engage in these sorts of activities. The missing piece, and this is what I hope the, the special counsel will uncover, the missing piece is whether or not Trump and, um, and the Russians were actually working together, whether or not his campaign and the Russians were actively working together and coordinating on a strategy, or whether Trump was cheering it on and benefiting it and happy to, like, maybe have people on his campaign try to broker deals with the Russians so they keep doing it without there being an explicit quid pro quo. I did not hear the audio when Brennan responded to Gowdy um, regarding intel to warrant a probe. So give me the, uh, you know, reader. We can, we can just fire that up. Did evidence exist of collusion, coordination, conspiracy between the Trump campaign and Russian state actors at the time you learned of 2016 efforts? I encountered and am aware of information and intelligence that um, revealed contacts and interactions between Russian officials and U.S. persons involved in the uh, Trump campaign that um, I was concerned about because of known Russian efforts to suborn such individuals. And it uh, raised questions in my mind, again, whether or not the Russians were able to gain the cooperation of those individuals. I don't know whether or not such collusion, that's your term, such collusion existed. I don't know. But I know that there was a sufficient basis of information and intelligence that required further uh, investigation by the Bureau to determine whether or not U.S. persons were actively conspiring, colluding with Russian officials. Leslie? Yes. Your, uh, to, to, to me, when we, ha- when we hear these testimonies, it's almost like when they don't answer uh, directly, it seems to be more than when they do. 
Right. I, I, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, smart people who are testifying in those situations are going to be careful about what they say, and they don't, they don't want to state more than what the evidence they currently have in front of them um, tells them to be true. Um, but I think, like, you know, we know a lot. I mean, beyond what I've said and what former director Brennan said, you know, if I have a business and my my associates are constantly meeting with the mob and I have dinner with the mob boss every night and I'm on there's a phone log showing that I'm constantly talking to mob lawyers, you know, maybe I'm not crooked. You know, maybe it's the case that I'm just speaking to people in the mob all the time because I really just think they're nice people and I, and, I, and I want and I want to be friendly with them. But the most likely explanation when you see this coming up over and over again, is that something shady is going on, and and you know, and that's what I hope that uh, the special counsel is able to get to to to, to figure out. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the special counsel. We're going to talk about Flynn, the Fifth Amendment. We're going to talk about immunity, and we're going to talk about impeachment or how difficult that might be, no matter how badly some people, myself included, would like it. Uh, the website for Think Progress is thinkprogress.org. On Twitter, follow Ian at imilheiser, I-M-I-L-L-H-I-S-E-R. Quick break, back to our guests. Do you want to call 888-6-LESLIE? Always more to come on the only true democracy in talk radio. We are talking with Ian Milheiser, Senior Fellow at the Center for American Progress. Ian, thank you for holding. Um, in a nutshell, what did we learn from former CIA Chief Brennan today? Well, I mean, he summarized a lot of what we already know, which is that there was indeed a tremendous amount of communication between high-level Trump, um, Trump campaign officials and the Russian government. Um, you know, and he also crystallized what I think is the missing piece. You know, the missing piece is we need to know, um, you know, we, we need to know what sort of communications they were and whether there was explicit collusion or whether, you know, they were just, you know, talk about other things. I think that, um, although I will add one other thing, which is that that's not the only issue that the special counsel needs to worry about, and it's not the only issue that the House necessarily needs to worry about if they're thinking about an impeachment proceeding. Because even, you know, in the unlikely event that the Trump, all of the Trump campaign's connections with the Russians are above board, even if that's the case, we still have a president who is taking really extraordinary steps to prevent anyone from getting the, to the bottom of this. And that, at the very least, could form the basis of an impeachment proceeding. Um, okay, so let's talk about some other things. And um, first, uh, Flynn, is mm -hmm. it true, Ian, because, uh, you know, you have even more sources, I think, than I on this being there in D.C., is it true that Flynn originally or at some point asked for immunity? Um, well, we know that he has asked for um, he, he's refused to turn over documents, and he's claimed that he, that he has a Fifth Amendment right. Um, I believe he sought some level level of immunity, which is a, a smart thing to do if one is um, likely to be called to testify. Although he hasn't been been granted anything, um, I mean Flynn is in some pretty hot water here because he's in hot water not just because of the connections to the Russians, but he apparently was doing work for the Turkish government and didn't disclose that. Um, he, you know, didn't disclose some stuff to, to Vice President Pence while, while Flynn was already in the government. Um, there's some evidence that 
Flynn might have influenced policy in ways that are beneficial to Turkey without disclosing um, to, you know, the appropriate, in the appropriate way that he should have um, the connection to the, Tur- to the Turkish government. I should say the disclosure issue is, is a bit wonky because he didn't disclose it in the proper way, but there's some evidence now suggesting that the Trump administration did in fact know about it. Um, so Flynn is very much a central figure here, not just because of his shady connections to Russia. I mean, again, the, these connections go back at least as far as the dinner where he sat next to Vladimir Putin, um, but because he seems to be doing business for foreign powers, um, not complying with his obligations to uh, to make sure that the appropriate people know about that and then um, potentially maybe influencing policies in ways that benefit these governments. Okay, so some people say, okay, we all have the right to invoke the fifth, but doesn't mm-hmm. there at some point, don't we have to have the information from Flynn, right. whether it's documents or testimony, at some point in order right. if there is to be an impeachment? In other words, could Flynn invoking the fifth hinder any future impeachment process if in fact Trump's, uh, so so the answer there is actually somewhat complicated so the because the congress is requesting documents um the fifth amendment um privilege is the privilege not to self-incriminate it's a privilege not to be forced to say things that could get you in legal hot water um, and right now, you know, the, his primary objection isn't that Congress is asking him to say things. It's that he's asking – Congress is asking him to produce documents, and those documents contain information that has already been said. So what the Supreme Court has said is that when there's a request for documents, um, there's really only two circumstances where the Fifth Amendment would apply. One is if they're asking the person to produce a new document. There is actually a new document request in there, and that probably is protected by the Fifth Amendment. Um, the other is if the very act of producing them would itself be self-incriminating, such as if the issue in the case were, do you, you know, if they were trying to prove that you do have possession of a particular document and the mere act of producing the document would confirm your guilt, in that case, the Fifth Amendment also applies. But if the only issue here is that there's some documents, like everyone knows they're out there somewhere, the fact that Flynn may or may not have them isn't particularly relevant to the case, and what Congress wants is the information that's in those documents, then the Fifth Amendment doesn't apply, and I, you know, it might take some litigation, but eventually he's probably going to have to produce the documents. Uh, okay. So um, it isn't true that Giuliani's being spoken to and that he asked for a deal as well, and I ask that because, you know, there's so many things out there, and you can't always even believe reports from reputable sources because sometimes right. they put things out, and, you know, 80, 90 percent of the time it's true, but then there's that, you know, 5 or 10 percent of the time, you know, you, you see a retraction, my bad, a day or two later. Right. I, I mean, I'll confess I, I have not heard the, 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 the deal with Giuliani, although that could be because of exactly what you're describing. I mean, everything is happening so fast. I mean, I started by joking that I dread 6 p.m. every day because every day there's a new bombshell that's dropped right when we're all getting ready to, to leave work. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it's really hard to keep up on, on, on all of this. I don't know if, I, I mean, with the exception of Robert Mueller, the special counsel, I don't know if anyone's been able to get all, their head around all of it. I, I, I want to, um, 
we're getting uh, close to break, but um, I, you know, my fear, Ian, and we're going to get to your piece. It's a great piece. Mm-hmm. My fear is it's going to be everybody around Trump. And I say that because I felt this guy was dirty from day one. Right. Yeah, and there is a real risk of that. I mean, there's not just the real risk that, like, you know, they won't be able to implicate Trump. But there's the fact that Trump is pretty insulated. I mean, you you have, you know, and this, this gets to part of what I say in my piece about impeachment. It's just really, really hard to impeach a president. And it's especially hard because that president's party is going to want to protect them. You know, there, there's, there's a lot of Republican members of Congress, and what they're thinking right now is they're thinking, wow, this Trump looks pretty dirty. But if I go after him, then my voters, you know, a lot of my voters really like him. They're going to turn on me, and it's not going to be Trump necessarily who loses their job. It's going to be me. Okay, hang on. That, that's a good point, good thought. And we will be back with Ian Milheiser in a moment. We are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome, welcome back. Only True Democracy in Talk Radio, talking to my buddy Ian Milheiser from Think Progress and also for the Center for American Progress. I'll give you all that contact information in a moment. Um, Ian, thank you for holding. Welcome back. So glad we have you for uh, most of the full show today until we have news at the end of the hour. Um, Before we get to the impeachment, Mm -hmm. it would seem that... Comey and his testimony could, in a sense, could Comey's testimony be the nail in Trump's coffin or no? Because the reason I say that is I'm going to bet money, and you probably agree with me here, Ian, mm-hmm. that, that somebody's going to ask, like Al Franken or somebody, right, is going to ask, or, you know, uh, or uh, Adam Schiff, excuse me, and, and, and they're going to say, did the president at that dinner ask you to stop or get rid of the Russian investigation. Right. And I'm going to bet his answer is going to be, I cannot answer that at this time because there's an ongoing, because there's an ongoing investigation. Mm-hmm. Um, do you agree with me on that? That's probably going to be, you know, maybe, maybe much more eloquent answer than I gave, but pretty much sort of like can't answer. I mean, it's unclear what's going to happen there. You know, the the latest development is that Comey was going to testify fairly imminently, and he's decided to wait until uh, until after he gets to speak to the special counsel to testify. So, I mean, that's probably the right course of action to let the special counsel know first and make sure that, you know, Comey and Mueller need to have a conversation to make sure that Comey doesn't do anything that that undermines that investigation. At the same time, you know, the question of whether Trump um, asked Comey to make the investigation go away, you know, that's already out in the public record. That's already been reported. So, you know, while it certainly makes for good TV if, if, if Comey confirms it, and, you know, and I hope that he does, you know, I don't know that – I don't know what Mueller's concern would necessarily be if Comey confirms something that has largely already been confirmed to the press. Largely confirmed to the press, some would say he said he said, because right. unless there are tape recordings of that conversation, uh, and apparently there was more than one time, right? I mean, he called him on the phone, you know, a few times, and then they, you know, he asked her to have dinner, and they met for dinner. Um, but, you know, Comey wrote down, uh, you know, he, he right. documented things, and, you know, he, he had memos. But then again, that's what 
Comey wrote down, and I'm not defending the president, but I'm sure the president's lawyers would say, well, that's what he wrote down, but we don't have any evidence of that because it, you know, we don't have a tape of that conversation. We don't have a witness to that conversation. Right. Well, well, here's what I think is going to be particularly damning to Trump. It's not necessarily what Comey says. It's that that memo is – I mean, first of all, this is a fairly standard operating procedure in the intelligence community that if someone has a conversation with a high-ranking official and like – they're uncomfortable with it. You know, they, they, they think that they may have been asked to do something illegal. It's very common to just contemporaneously draft a memo saying, hey, this happened, so that if they're, they're ever called to account for it, they could say, well, here's my account of what happened. I sent this to my colleagues so they knew about it, and it, you know, it just protects them legally. And what we know is that Comey did that with respect to that conversation. We also learned last night that Trump made similar requests of the CIA director and the director of national intelligence that they – I mean it's, it's not entirely clear what the specific ask was, maybe to pressure Comey to drop it, um, maybe to make public statements saying that Comey wasn't actually inve- investigating Trump. But whatever it was, you know, one of them also drafted a contemporaneous memo. So it's not like it's Comey versus Trump. At this point, it's three high-ranking government officials um, – two of whom documented um, their exchanges contemporaneously against Trump. And under those circumstances, I mean, I know if, if I were a lawyer prosecuting this case, I would much rather be on the side of those three officials than be on the side of Donald Trump. Ian, I want to talk about your great piece, but first, sure thing. to me, when I look up obstruction of justice, what Comey states and is out there and is, you know, written in the memo and may reconfirm with his testimony is a clear textbook example of obstruction of justice. Am I missing it here? Am I wrong? Yeah, I mean, it's a bit, I mean, it, it is fairly unprecedented. I mean, I mean, I guess the closest thing we have to a precedent is Richard Nixon for a president to use their official powers in order to quash an investigation in this way. Um, and what we know from the Nixon precedent is two things. One was that it was enough to inspire the Congress to impeach him, although he resigned first. And the second is we don't know what the courts will say about that because uh, because Ford pardoned Nixon. Um, but and, and I mean, he, I guess there's I guess a question that like people who want to see Trump go down, and I count myself among them, should ask is what is the thing that we want most here? You know, the question is, will Trump eventually be criminally prosecuted? The answer to that is, I don't know. I mean, Trump could potentially pardon himself on the way out the door. But the question is, if the question is, can he be impeached and removed for office for this? Absolutely. I, I mean, provided that there are, you know, enough members of Congress who are willing to do their patriotic duty here, um, you know, the, the things that Trump has done up to this point are, you know, strikingly similar to what led to Nixon nearly being impeached before he decided to take himself out before the impeachment could happen. Uh, let's talk about that, and let's go to your great piece, and you've written a couple, mm-hmm. but I, I loved this piece for thinkprogress.org. It's tougher than it should be to impeach Donald Trump. You titled it, Ian, um, mm-hmm. and you talk about popularity. Now, right. Trump's 
uh, numbers, approval ratings keep going lower and lower. And he does right. still have, uh, you even say, a remarkably uh, constant support among the core. Um, right. But even some that voted for Trump are sort of like, okay, you know, not, not happy, you know, not happy with what's going on. How much does a president's popularity matter? In other words, you wrote, it is virtually impossible to remove a president who enjoys the support of any meaningful political faction within the United States. But behind closed doors, and I'm sure you hear the same rumors, there, you know, the Rand Paul Republicans don't like them, right? Right. Um, even, you know, the Paul Ryan, I mean, it, it, there's, there's a very, it, it's almost like just a very small group of, of you know, the Trump publicans, if you will, um, exist. Does that matter, and does that right. help or hurt him with regard to impeachment? Right. Well, I mean, I think that if every Republican felt like they could safely get away with it, there would be an overwhelming majority in both houses of Congress. I think there would be the supermajority that is needed to remove Trump and replace him with Mike Pence. I think that most Republicans, if they had their choice between the erratic guy that they have in there now and Mike Pence, who's a conventional right-winger, they'd rather have the conventional right-winger. The problem is, and I mean, at the time when I wrote that piece, the polls showed that 87% of Trump's voters still still backed him. That number might have gone down a little bit since then, but it hasn't gone down much. The problem that, and like why I think that so many of them are acting so timidly is because if you're a Republican member of Congress, you still have a lot of your own voters. Even if you can't stand Trump, you are afraid that you have so many voters who love Trump, who enthusiastically voted for him, who, you know, you're afraid that if you take out Trump, I mean, Trump's a vindictive guy, and he's going to probably run all over the country talking about how he was stabbed in the back by Republicans if he's removed from office. And so I think that a lot of Republican members of Congress, even though they know that it's in the best interest of the country to get rid of Trump, are putting their own personal politics ahead or their own personal survival ahead of the best interest of the country because they don't think they can win an election if they if they cheese off a bunch of their voters who still love Donald Trump. But there are some districts like Georgia's sixth and and right. others where Democrats are gaining ground in red areas yep. uh, like never before. And there are some red areas, as you know, a number of them in the state I live in, California, that voted for Hillary and that look like they're going to flip. So it may not be in the midterm that Democrats take over the House. I think they can take over the Senate. But I think that they can flip enough seats to put the fear of God in Republicans. Is that what it would take? And that's a twofold question. With a narcissist right. like Donald Trump, do, you, do, do his lawyers go in and say, look, they have enough to impeach you. You're going to be beyond lame if that happens. It's so early in your presidency. Um, I would just say, you know what? This is ridiculous. You know, this is, this is such a swamp. It's too big. I, can enter, I don't want it anymore. I quit. Right. Um, and, and, and I say that because... To me, an Ivanka or a Jared could convince him to quit. A narcissist doesn't want to quit, but he doesn't want to be impeached either. Right. So, so I mean, you know, there are several questions there. I mean, I do think, since you brought up the special elections, there are two races that a lot of people are watching very closely. One is the special election later this week in Montana, and then the other is the one next month in Georgia. Um, both of those are races that should have been easy victories for the Republican. I, I mean, in the past, 
Um, Republican candidates have won by double digits. Both of them are now very competitive in the Georgia race. The most recent poll I, show, I, I saw shows the Democrat John Ossoff up by seven points. Wow. So I think, uh, yeah. So I think that if um, Quist, who is the Democrat in the Montana race, wins his race, and then Ossoff wins his race, and Republicans are suddenly suddenly thinking, oh my God, like anyone who won their race by 50, by only 15 or 20 points could be vulnerable in the midterms that's how much trouble trump has created for us it's possible that at that point they say like that they're already in so much trouble that they have to, that they have to cast them overboard and I, I do think that democratic victories in those special elections potentially could cause some republicans to start worrying about trump um, I'm not particularly optimistic, though, that Trump will just decide on his own that it's – I mean this, this is a man who is made of ego, and he's made of his sense that he is the, the, the alpha male in every situation. And I just – I think given his personality, you know, maybe there's a way to for him to convince himself that he has made a mistake, or maybe there's a way for him to decide that, you know what, like – I hate this job so much, and I'm going to go be tough and live off my billions of dollars now, and that'll be great. Maybe he can convince himself of that as well. But, I mean, I, when I look at Donald Trump, you know, he's the quintessential person who's so bad at their job, he doesn't understand that he is bad at his job. And I, right. I think it's very hard to get that person to, uh, to resign. Okay, Pence. Some people say that Pence is in deeper doo-doo than Trump based on what they're hearing. And if that's the case, the Republicans couldn't have their more stable, conservative, walks the Republican walk, talks the Republican talk guy. Right. Yeah, I mean, Pence has been almost going to comic lengths to claim that he's out of the loop on things and, you know, he wasn't involved. I mean, even things that we know he was in the loop on, such as, you know, some of the conversations he had with Michael Flynn. Um, I think that Pence realizes that if he has his moment and Trump is taken out, he doesn't want to get taken out with him by, 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 be, by being caught in the fallout. Um, you know, the, the, the danger with Pence is, you know, the saving grace of the Trump administration has been that Donald Trump is so incompetent that it's not clear that they're going to get any legislation through. Um, you know, they, they, Trump hasn't named people to most of the jobs in government, so a lot of important government functions are being run by career people who don't necessarily share the Republican Party's agenda. Um, and if Pence gets in there, you know, Pence is not known as a great intellect, but he's been governor of a state before, and I think he would be a he would be minimally competent at carrying out the job of president of the United States. So I think a lot of Republicans might want that. Um, the question is, like I've said before, whether they're willing to take the political risk to make it happen. Um, and then, you know, whether Pence, you know, once, you know, we, we still need to what the special counsel says, it could be that, that, that Pence is neck deep in all of this. If, in fact, the special counsel finds that because Trump asked top intel officials to publicly deny the Russia collusion, because mm -hmm. he asked Comey to make this go away, to, you know, you know to stop, stop the investigation, because the ex-CIA chief, John Brennan, said that the Russians contacted the Trump campaign right. and even more, okay? It, 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 Brennan can make a, a – excuse me, uh, uh, Mueller can make a recommendation 
of impeachment or he can make a, or he can say there is criminal obstruction of justice here and right. then that goes to the, the attorney general who would be the second in command at the AG's office not Jeff Sessions if I am correct to determine if uh, there would be an impeachment put forth to Congress correct well so Mueller actually has significant independent authority which which is good um, so Mueller doesn't just have to go to the AG and seek permission to bring a prosecution. Mueller has the power to bring the prosecution himself, and he has the power to bring the prosecution not just for like the specific matter he was brought on to investigate the Russia matter, but if in the course of investigating the Russia matter he uncovers other crimes or if he determines that there's been efforts to obstruct him, he can bring prosecutions related to that as well. So, so that's the good news. Um, there are some concerns. You know, Mueller is somewhat insulated from Trump, but not completely so. So he can be fired, but he can only be fired by, in this case, the deputy attorney general, and he can only be fired for cause. So the deputy attorney general can't just say, like, you know, I want to get rid of you. There has to be a good reason for the firing. Conceivably, Trump could either order the deputy attorney general to fire Mueller, or he could fire the deputy attorney general and try to put someone else in there who will fire Mueller. Um, in either case, though, you know that that could potentially trigger litigation over whether or not Mueller was fired for good cause. And, and in any event, like at that point, you know, I mean, not that Trump hasn't done so much at this point that it looks like an admission of guilt. But if Trump goes that far, you know, remember what happened when Nixon tried the same play, and he and he tried to fire a bunch of people to get rid of the the, the special prosecutor that was looking into him. I mean, you might as well admit your guilt. If you go to those lengths. Okay, one quick sentence because we got a break, Ian. Okay? Sure thing. I'm not making you go to Vegas and I'm not holding you to task on this. If you had to bet, will Donald Trump be impeached, yes or no? No. I, I think that unfortunately we live in a really partisan era, and maybe the Republicans in Congress will surprise me, but as long as they control Congress, I think it's going to be very difficult to convince a critical mass of them that. Um, it's time to get rid of this guy. One term or two term president? Probably one term. I mean, you look at his polls and they're pretty dismal. And I, I, I think that the voters will be pretty sick of this guy by 2020 and will be ready for someone else. Well, I love you, but I hope you're wrong on the first count. <laughs> I fear you're right, but I hope you're wrong. Ian uh, Milheiser, love you. Uh, Twitter handle at uh, Ian I Milheiser, I M I L L H I S E R, and check out the website thinkprogress.org.